When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, And we got big news, Brett, this week. The most important story to come out of Arizona athletics in quite some time. The men's basketball uniforms are losing the gradient. Our long national nightmare is finally over, Adam. <laughs> I expected, like, balloons to come down from the ceiling. Maybe a dead clown who's been up there for way too long. Like, <laughs> something. It's... <laughs> I mean, it's I feel like football got new uniforms and they went back to the Desert Swarm era. And Tommy Lloyd, when he was hired, he mentioned something about trying to go back to the past and everything. And there's also, I think, the five-year thing. Arizona's current uniform said had about five years. And they're probably due for new ones. But the way that Arizona announced it on social media, like to celebrate the gradient is gone, like, I, I was fine with that. I, I I think the athletic department was keenly aware of what the uh, general feeling was about the gradients, and I think that aligns with your and my perspective, Adam. Yes, the olds are winning again, Brett. That's what I think we're learning here. Well, the, the olds have the money, Adam. But in theory, yes, some of the olds have the money. Fair, but you know, it's uniforms are one of those things where I feel like Arizona. If they would have won a national championship in the gradient uniforms, we'd probably feel differently about them. It's like, oh, we'd remember them for that, right? Like, probably the reason we love the 90s era is because Arizona won a national championship wearing those uniforms. I mean, they look good, but they won a national championship. Some of the best teams Arizona had was in those uniforms. The gradient's kind of just, it's more disappointment than anything else that they'll be remembered by, right? Because, like, DeAndre Ayton year had, I'm like, well, I think it was Larry Markin's year had them. And they fell in the Sweet 16. They got upset. Then DeAndre Ayton's year, we know what happened that season. Then a down year. Then the year that was wiped out due to COVID. But that team was underwhelming. And then this year's team was quite good and had a chance to redeem these uniforms. And we really, fortunately, we never saw them in the tournament because Arizona was the higher seed. They wore their whites, which were pretty clean, you know. But, yeah, I don't think there were too many people who were going to be pouring one out or shedding any tears for a gradient going bye-bye. Well, and I think you just presented a pretty uh, affirmative case that the reason Arizona has not made a Final Four in recent years is clearly due to the gradients, or at least in part. Well, you can't say it wasn't. I mean, the math checks out. They did <laughs> not make one Final Four while they had the gradient uniforms. Fact check, true. So, thinking about it, since obviously this is the most important thing we're going to talk about on the pod today, well, but we're going to talk to Ari Wasserman later about Arizona football. He wrote a great piece for The Athletics, so we'll have him on to go over his impressions of Jed Fish and where Arizona football is at right now. But what would you like to see in the next uniforms, Brett? Any, any thoughts? Because you know you have some. I mean, I would like to see them take a page out of the football 
uh, uniform change that they did where they do a nod back to the maybe the the you know Arizona has some really good uh, uniforms from you know 15 20 years ago even even 10 years ago just just prior to the gradients mm-hmm. I don't think you need to you don't need to make them exactly that but you can maybe do a refreshed look of something along those lines uh, you know c- kind of like what the football uniforms are where they're desert swarm with a bit of a modern flair yeah that that to me is the right way to do it none of the gradients none of the gimmicks you do a nice clean you know clean lines and make you run fast (laughs) i mean it's they're red white and blue it's hard to mess those colors up on a uniform and yet nike has found a way both for arizona football and men's basketball in recent years so especially when they inserted gold into some of those ones like remember the the gold and red ones do you remember the gray ones like that said zona on them (laughs) there was like the red with the gold there was also like a white with gold and like what what are we doing here were they were, were they trying to just get the other team to forfeit because they couldn't stand staring at Arizona in those uniforms? Uh, hey, I, you know, you're right, though. I think the uniforms that were before the gradient, the, kind of like the Stanley Johnson-era uniforms, some of the, like the second McConnell, those uniforms were nice. And they only had those for a few seasons, I think. And it's like, then they went to gradient. Like, those were a combination. They were kind of like the 90s-era, the loot-era uniforms. You had the font. You had the striping down the side, the piping down the sides. But it had a little bit of a flair. It had that, like that cactus, like that faded cactus logo thing on the back, which that was subtle and it was nice. I thought so. I was I cool with those uniforms. Obviously, if they want to go back to like the Jason Terry era, I would celebrate that as well. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of happy Arizona athletics fans, especially Arizona basketball fans, men's basketball fans, because you know I you kind of got used to the gradient, but you never like enjoyed it. You know, I was just like, yeah, maybe they got to be fine, but they never got to be good. So, and now they're gone. Hallelujah. (laughs) Miracles do happen. Brad, obviously that's not the most important thing to have happen with Arizona Athletics, but that's we led with it because we're both pumped about that. Other news and notes here, we're going to start with the show this week. I mean, it came out today, Arizona men's basketball is going to be playing uh, Indiana and Vegas in December. That's cool. That's a nice non-conference matchup to have. I think so. We'll, we'll, it'll be a nice, solid test early, uh, early in the, or I guess not that early in the season, but pre, uh, pre Pac-12 play, and hopefully help Arizona's RPI and seeding for next uh, March. Yeah, and hopefully Arizona wins. Of course, that would be nice too. Uh, the bigger news, actually, in basketball, comes from the women's side, and in terms of the transfer portal, Arizona has picked up Adia Barnes, has added to the roster. Uh, former LSU commit Esmeralda Martinez signed with Arizona women's basketball. Is one of them. Uh, Lauren Fields. Came from Oklahoma State. She's a guard committed. I remember we talked the last show. It's like, are we concerned about all the defections going out? We were both like, eh, they'll probably be fine. They're, they seem to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 am, I am not concerned at all for the Arizona women's roster with the Dia Barnes next year. And I think it's going to be, based on the, the talent level that they have added through the transfer portal and through the freshman class, I think the, the days of offensive stagnation are going to be over real quick. Um, and I don't think they're going to sacrifice the defense that is kind of a calling card for India Barnes' teams. You'd hope not, and that's the plan, right? You need to improve that offense, keep the defense. It is going to be crazy how different the team is from the one that was one shot away from winning a national championship. You know, in a matter of span of like one full season in between, it's going to be mostly a different roster, but this is what happens too when your program gets to the level that you can go get high-level talent through the transfer portal and through recruiting. Like, it's going to be different. You're going to get players who other programs want other programs would like to have and Adia Barnes is showing once again that she can do great pulling players from the transfer portal and we'll see what this team looks like next season but of course the expectations will once again be there for Arizona women's basketball 
Um, let's see anything else. Arizona men's basketball is in on a few transfers, but like there's so many players on the portal and we talked about it last week is just, you know, anyone Arizona is going to get from the portal, men's basketball is going to get from the portal has to probably be willing to come off the bench and the best players that are on the portal, you get, Oh, that'd be great if Arizona got them. Yeah, that would be great. But that player's not coming to Arizona. They're not going to, they're not transferring to sit, you know, and only play 15 minutes. So I don't think Arizona, this was not their transfer portal time. <laughs> this just, it just wasn't right. Like you weren't going to get the superstar transfers. You're going to get someone like a Justin Kyer later in the process, who he was very good for Arizona. He was a perfect mentality for what Arizona needs in a transfer right now. So you know, get excited about some of these guys if you want. But I wouldn't worry that Arizona's not getting transfers. And of course, they have some scholarships available. It would seem if they want to pull some more players in that are maybe true freshmen. Yeah, there's there's some rumblings that maybe some roster changes will happen in the next couple of weeks, um, which. You know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think it's the same thing we were at a, a year ago, Adam. If you recall, I was, like, concerned about I wanted to have one more one more big, preferably one that could score in the post because I wasn't mm-hmm. convinced that, uh, you know, either Umar Balo or Christian Coloco was going to be a, a, a scoring threat out of the post. Christian Coloco kind of proved me a little bit wrong with his development. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those guys that are, you know, going to be able to... <laughs> Uh, like I said last year, the guys that are six ten and can you can dump the ball down to and you can get his own shot, they're not coming off the bench most of the time. And I, no. I think the same thing applies here in terms of trying to fill a couple of the gaps in the roster. But you know, I, I'm I if we have learned anything from the last year in Tommy, we trust, and I'm confident that we will have a highly viable and competitive roster here in coming months. That's a hot take. That Arizona will be basketball will be good. Basketball will be good again. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's called analysis, Adam. You should try it. Yeah, well, not, not, maybe we'll see. Oh, I think we survived that first summer. We'll cut it short here because we we come back. We're going to talk to Ari Wasserman from the Athletic get his take on Arizona football, which going into the year two of the Jetfish era has quite a bit of momentum, higher expectations, but still a roster that has some holes. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are glad to be joined by Ari Wasserman of The Athletic. He covers all of college football for The Athletic, and recently he did one of his program pieces, Arizona Football, State of the Program. says the title was Arizona Football is Playing the Long Game on a Jetfish. Quote, we're just getting started. Ari, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. We always love your NCAA football content, especially like when you focus on Arizona, because, hey, that's kind of our beat here, too. And... I know you're an Arizona guy. I know you weren't a big fan of Kevin Sullivan. You wrote about that, and hey, you were you were right. That was not great for Arizona or Tucson. But Jed Fish seems to have a different vibe, and he only won one game in his first season, and yet the program seems to be in a better place. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, because you covered a lot of teams, what is it about Jed Fish? Like, what does he have going on in Tucson? What are your thoughts about the second-year head coach? Yeah, I've had a pretty interesting career because I left uh, – Tucson right out of college uh, where I went to Arizona and moved to Columbus and I covered Ohio State for 10 years and then I've been in a national role now for going on three and you know being at Ohio State you kind of have a front row view of what it takes to win at the highest level now I know that Ohio State isn't you know a parallel to most programs because the money resources and buy-in from the administration fan support that it has but it does give you an idea of what it takes to necessarily or what's necessary to compete at the highest level and then you go on to focus on, you know, everybody and you kind of see the, the shift of just like where expectations are from program to program. And the thing that, um, you know, always struck me about Arizona when I was a student there and in the time since kind of following it from afar is 
Arizona doesn't really seem to know what it should be or what it is from an administrative level down. Um, so, you know, I know that's not what you asked me, so I'll go directly uh, to what you asked me, and then we can come back to that. But the thing that I think is most interesting about Jed Fish is that the man just seems to get it. And you would be really, really, really shocked by how many people in important positions, both at the coaching level and the administrative level, throughout the Power Five uh, of people who don't understand what it takes to compete. Uh, and you can do that uh, or, you know, find that by listening to press conferences and seeing what people say and how they think and their actions. And, you know, Jed Fish understood what job he took and he understood exactly what it would take uh, to win at Arizona at any level. And whether or not that's going to be, um, you know, doable, I guess, is the only thing we I mean, time will tell. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, understanding what it takes and, and being willing to do those things, I think, is an important step that unfortunately lacked in the previous regime so you know he says all the right things he's bringing back former players he's recruiting the state very hard he's having zoom meetings with every head coach in arizona and they just signed the best class in program history so for me i'm a very big recruiting person i like to look at what players are coming in both through the portal and in the recruiting ranks and there was a serious elevation of talent uh, within the arizona football program now, is that going to be enough for them to go all of a sudden win eight or nine games this year? Probably not. Anybody who follows college football knows that building a program is a five, six-year proposition for people that understand it, uh, especially considering where Arizona started. So, you know, what stands out to me about Jed Fish is that the man understands it. And I think that you would be shocked by how many programs have people who are running the show that don't get it. So Arizona is ahead from that regard, and I think that should make Arizona fans feel pretty good about at least the attempted direction of the current regime. Yeah, I think that's evidenced already by what you mentioned in, the, in your answer there, that the massive upgrade in talent and just the sheer raw roster turnover. Uh, when you, From your outsider's perspective now, as somebody that obviously has ties to the, to the state and the university a little bit, but you have a, a, a bird's eye view, as you mentioned, how do you look at a team like Arizona and evaluate what, what to expect from them this year with, I think, something like 40-something new players on the roster from, from last year's team that only won one game. While they were competitive, they weren't, you know, they won one, and there's no way around that. You know, it's very, very hard because as good as the recruiting class was, getting a guy like T-Mac, I think, is a statement and a, a program uh, lifter from a, uh, you know, outsider's view, but it's going to take a heck of a lot more than him and, and uh, the quarterback they brought in and, you know, Servite and some of the, the transfers that they got to all of a sudden turn that into a five or six win team. So I think the good news for Arizona, and I hope, I don't know if this is going to be offensive to some of the listeners, but the Pac-12 is not very good. So they have that going for them. And, you know, last year with a, t- a team that lacked talent, um, you know, they were in a lot of games, but it's also interesting to me that they lost to NAU. And it's just like, it's just a sobering reminder that this is going to take time. And freshmen aren't going to come in and, you know, lift the program to eight wins. Now, if they're more competitive in big games and, you know, win three or four, I think that's a really good, good, good step. Now, the thing that I I think that we have to mention, or I have to because of my recruiting background here, is that Arizona is coming off the 2021 class that literally only had one top 1,000 player in it nationally. And I've never looked this up because. I think that that probably is the first time in Power 5 history that a program has only signed one top 1,000 player. So as much as you love the idea that Arizona just signed a top 25 class and they got T-Mac in and 
you know, some, some very good pieces there. They're also going to pay the pri- the piper for the fact that they just signed one of the worst classes in the history of power five recruiting. So, you know, in terms of how, what to expect about this team this year, you know, I, I know that fans and people who follow the sport, you know, want to see, you know, immediate turnaround on the field and, and better competence and, and all those sorts of things. But to me, if I'm an Arizona football fan, what I'm watching for is does the, does the coach continue to recruit at a higher level? Are, are players attracted by what they're building and, and how much can they continue the momentum as a, as a recruiting outfit to continue to make sure that in three or four years, when, you know, this 20, this historic for Arizona 2022 class is junior and senior, um, that they have a really good football team around it to potentially go win 10 games, which is what I think that the overall focus is. If you're asking me like what I hit the over under on Arizona football, you know, I have no idea how to even gauge that because when you have a, a roster that's half new and half of that half is freshmen, it's a really, really hard thing to do. So um, I don't know that I have a great answer for that, but what I do do know is that I'd be very encouraged by the, the immediate direction in the, under, under this regime. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, Kevin Sumlin had a lot of success at Texas A&M and I think spoke well and had some good ideas, but the man, and it's evident, just did not care about doing his job to its full potential from an effort standpoint. And that has been uh, something that will set the program back maybe two or three years because you can't mail it in and recruiting and drive over to South Point Catholic once when your kid's on the team from two and a half miles away, not recruit that school, watch B. John Robinson walk out the state without even an ounce of of effort put toward it and put yourself in a position to be competitive in, in a year with a new competent coach. So to me, I think the expectations probably should still be moderately low, but I think that there should be some some optimism about where the program is headed yeah to the, to that point ari uh i almost texted our, my co-host adam here and our listeners listeners of our show know we kind of have a semi-drinking game anytime i mention the word depth and i i noticed that jed fish was quoted multiple times and you used in your story the word depth five different times in that story and i think that's a reflection of uh, what you're talking about with maybe the the cupboards being bare and only you know the few top 1000 recruits from prior classes in your perspective, as much as hard as it is to know this year, uh, when when is a reasonable time for Arizona fans to start saying this needs to be showing up on the field in terms of win losses? Once you establish that depth, you establish that culture uh, before you start raising questions about the coaching staff. You know, it's, it's it's a very important word in college football, and if you guys have a drinking game and you're laughing at that word, you know, I I, I think that that's uh, you know funny, but also you know from covering a team that won a national championship with their third, third string quarterback on the field. It's very important because if you go into a season and I mean, listen, they got Jaden Delora, you know, and that guy was freshman of the year in the pack 12. And it's like, there's a huge upgrade at the most important position, but if he twists his knee and is out for three weeks, what happens to Arizona's offense? You know, do you have to go to the freshman right away? I mean, depth is an important thing at every single position. But the thing that I do know is that when you talk to the coaches, and you look at the roster, there is, you know, elite level playmaking ability existing on their practice field that didn't exist at all a year or two ago. And those are the types of players that will make a play in a game when it's necessary that will turn a one score loss into a one score win. So from a depth standpoint, I think that, you know, seeing those things turn into the field, like you asked, is probably a year three or a year four proposition, you know. And I'm not saying that they should only win one game, 
you know, if Arizona went out and won three or four this year, I think that would be, you know, a pretty good improvement. And then by year two of, you know, the T-Mac era, you know, put yourself in a position to win six or seven, then all of a sudden you're getting back to respectability. And the thing that I don't understand, and I've never understood about Arizona football, the administrators that have changed over the years is, what is Arizona football's expectation? And I'd be very curious to know what you guys think. You guys are thinking about them way more than I am. But, like, the thing to me is that they shouldn't be a joke. Right. You know, they shouldn't right. be one of the worst Power 5 programs in America. I mean, think about some of the, I mean, Power 5 programs out there that are, are even more successful than, than U of A has been. And it's kind of like, has anybody been to Tucson? Have, have you ever taken a kid to an official visit and walked him down university in November when he's coming in from a place that's snowing? Like, how are they recruiting worse than some group of five teams? And it's never made any sense to me. So, you know, to me, I think it's an effort thing. I think it's a it's a, it's a a coach that has an identifiable plan, who can execute that plan. And, you know, as the recruiting results continue to pour in and the transfer portal continues to be more of an impactful thing as it, as it pertains to acquiring talent, I think you'll get a better picture. So... You know, the good news is, is that they're getting that talent. The, the bad news is, is that we don't know for sure whether or not Jed Fish is a very good coach because we won't really know that until we see what he can do with, with talent that's comparable to his opponents. And that might take two or three years with things going well. Yeah, so you ask about us turning the depth into a drinking game. Well, we do follow Arizona pretty closely, and after the last couple of seasons, everything needs to come back to drinking to watch that team. So it starts to become clear. But one thing I noticed, too, kind of along those lines, Ari, in your piece, was the part where Jed Fish is saying, you know, he needs to wear a T-shirt that says there are only freshmen. It seems like he's not hedging. Like, Jed Fish is clearly confident in himself, his coaching staff, and his plan. But he's trying to, like, bring people back and say, hey, you know what? We brought in all these freshmen. That's great. They're freshmen. Kind of the same thing you're saying is that, yes, be excited, but don't be expecting greatness this season on the field. And it's kind of like this weird dynamic, right? Because he came in with all the optimism last season, and they won a game, and people were feeling really good. Then you followed up with that recruiting class. People were feeling great. It's like, hold the brakes, you know, pump the brakes just a little bit. Like, that seems to be a tough balance, I would think, for a coach to kind of to kind of preach there. Is that fair? There's a difference between being excited and optimistic about the direction of your program and directly applying it to the following season, because those are two very different things. So you should be excited about that recruiting class because it is a sign or a symptom of competence and, uh, and excitement. You know, you have a coach that just signed the best class in recruiting history in his, what, second cycle? Um, or his first full cycle. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, what, what are we talking about? Of course there's reason to be optimistic, but like, listen, you know, I've covered a team before that, uh, you know, signed 10 top 100 players in four consecutive classes and missed the playoff two out of four years. It is very, very, very hard to win big college football. And it takes a lot of talent and effort to do that, especially considering the fact now that USC is going to start accumulating talent at an even greater level. And Oregon is going to do a good job because they seem to be on the money with, with NIL. You know what I mean? So the thing that has always been really exciting to me, you know, when it comes to watching certain Pac-12 teams rise up, is that if Arizona does get the kind of talent that last year's class indicates that they can, then they should have a pretty clear path in three years to 10 wins if he does that three times in a row. Now, can Jed Fish sign a top 25 class three years in a row at Arizona? I think absolutely he can. Will he? I don't know. So, you know, I, I just, it's like a really hard thing. And I want to ask you guys, because I'm genuinely curious, you know, I write nationally all the time, you know, about all these schools, but like, what is your, like, listen, in the story that you guys read, 
you know, I outlined that Mike Stoops, who was the head coach during my time at Arizona um, as a student, made it to three consecutive bowl games and had very consistently competent teams, and the man got fired. Mm -hmm. Then the following coach went to four straight bowl games, including a Fiesta Bowl, and then I know he had some off-the-field concerns, but he also got fired. So when you fire a coach, to me, that means that there is an expectation from the administration and the people making those decisions that U of A should be a 10-win team once every three or four years. Is that the expectation of an Arizona fan? It probably shouldn't be. I think Brett and I are probably the more measured people. And I think I was fine with Rich Rudd's success. Competency, making bowl games pretty much every year. Like the one year he didn't make the bowl game, injuries just ravaged that team. Every year in a bowl game, in every four or five years, you have that one class that can get you to a Fiesta Bowl, maybe can compete for a division title. That's good enough for me, like as an Arizona fan. And I know like the 90s happened, Desert Storm. Arizona can be really good. It's happened before, but it's also a different environment than it was in the mid-90s college football, right? So, Brad, I don't want to speak for you, but that's kind of where I fall is that competence is fine with the occasional upper echelon season, but I don't demand that every year. Yeah, I think from my perspective, I don't think it's unreasonable in a, shall we say, uh, not particularly strong Pac-12 conference to have bowl eligibility every year and maybe have your over-under be eight and a half wins with the occasional, you know, nine, ten wins season every every couple of years. Uh, I, But again, I think me and Adam are more measured and I think a lot of Arizona fans would also say, what is the composition of those wins? If you, as, as you probably know, Ari, uh, a game in November tends to weigh more on a lot of fans' minds. Well, I think that any 10 win season at Arizona is an impeccable year. Oh yeah. So like, and I think that everything that you guys said makes perfect sense. Like, it's not like people are sitting there demanding college football playoff berths, you know, but you know, you do have teams every year. I mean, look at Wake Forest last year. I mean, Arizona, um, with the right coach and the right amount of talent could be, have a better football team than that Wake Forest team did last year. Um, and it'd be a really fun year. And when they went to the Fiesta bowl, that was one of the most fun teams in college football to watch. And like, mm-hmm. if I were the head coach at U of a, I would really lean into that. Like come to U of a and, and just go to a place where you study for exams at a pool. Like this is one of the best atmospheres in the country. Zona zoo gets crazy. Like it is a fun place to go. Let's go be the school that like I would embrace the Pac-12 act after dark thing. Like I would make it like come be part of this, the most fun football team to play for the, the team that everybody wants to watch on TV and like kind of create a brand, make people like appreciate like, Hey, you know what? Arizona's on, on the East coast at 10 PM and they're playing Oregon. I want to watch that game, you know, make them, make them a, a focal point or a, in, in the conversation for national, you know, you know, attention. And that's how you build a brand. And that's what draws in recruits. And you do that, and I've always thought there was a path for Arizona to be a team that could win eight or nine games every single year in that conference. You're telling, like, Oregon State had a really good year last year, a few years ago, and Washington State under Mike Leach was in the college football playoff rankings like in week nine one year. It's like if these teams are able to, you know, strike up, you know, anything, like U of A has a much better recruiting pool. to You know, they're much closer to California. And Phoenix, my, my uh, podcast co-host and, and – and a colleague at the athletic Andy Staples wrote like you have Phoenix has been one of the best quarterback cities in America in the last five years. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about the potential here, but they're, they haven't had a coach that's put an effort in the way that Jed fish has and understanding what U of a is um, from a branding standpoint, go and make that happen. But like, I've never thought, and I think I wrote this in the story is like, why is Arizona a joke? Yeah, They should never be a joke. You know what I mean? And like, I personally have, 
been to a lot of places and I've written a lot of stories and met a lot of coaches. And I don't know, maybe I'm biased because I grew up in Arizona, but Arizona is one hell of a place to go to school. I had a great time there. And, you know, I'm not a fan, like I'm a reporter, um, but I had a personal experience through life of where I went to school of understanding what that place is. And by understanding that, applying it to what I understand about college football and the way that teams are built, I think there's an immense amount of potential for that program. And when I watch them on TV sometimes and, you know, they're getting their ass kicked by some team that doesn't have a single draft pick on the roster, I'm like wondering, like, what the hell is going on there? And, and I guess the, the summation of the entire discussion is that I think that as an outsider looking in, they finally have a coach who seems to understand where he's coaching and what needs to be done to make them what I just said they could be. And I think that's a very encouraging place to be for Arizona football. Yeah, and I think that might be the perfect place to leave this, too, because I think that's where we're all at. It's, we're all excited about Jed Fish, what he can do, in part because of the low bar. Right? Like Kevin Sumlin did not exactly create high standards for Jed Fish, which is how winning one game but bringing in a good recruiting class is a sign of immense progress. But I imagine, too, for Fish, he needs to start winning eventually because it's going to be harder and harder to pull in top 25 classes on a vision if that vision isn't executed on the field. But, you know, Fish has every opportunity and he deserves every chance to pull it off on the field. I think that's where we're all at, right? We feel pretty good about he's going to try no matter what. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but it's not going to be due to a lack of effort. And I do think that the uneducated fan just looks at wins and losses and ignores all the ancillary stuff. And the educated fan who understands how college football games are won and how programs are built understands that the recruiting rankings for Arizona right now are more important than the wins and losses. If you would have told me, you know, if I were an Arizona fan, would you rather U of A win six games in in Jed Fish's first year um, and sign the number 52 overall class or win one game and sign top 25 class, including a top 50 receiver nationally, I would take the latter because uh, that's what you want to build your program around. You want people that go watch those open practices there to be like, holy crap, did you guys just see that catch that T-Mac made? Because you know what? In the fourth quarter in a close game against ASU or, or UCLA, uh, you know, and you're on that final drive, you know, a third down conversion, T-Mac's going to make that play on the field. And they just haven't had that player on their team the last few three years. And that's what wins close games. So to me, um, I think that, you should feel super excited about where things are headed. But I also know too, that, you know, it takes more than one class and more than one uh, transfer cycle to completely change the, the dynamic of a program. So, uh, you know, Jed Fish is smart in how he talks. He said, you know, this is the long game because he knows, and I'm, I'm going to frankly say this, it's an Arizona show, but Kevin Sumlin wrecked that program. Like, I mean, he wrecked it. I mean, they, the cupboards were bare. The expectations are at a, at a point that I never thought that I would have seen them be at. And there's just no, there was just no talent on the team because they just weren't recruiting. They weren't trying to recruit. So if you have a guy in there that wants to do that, it's going to take him three or four years to, to change just the, the makeup of the roster. So, so give it time, enjoy the games, and let's just see if he can actually kind of start to manifest the vision that he's selling. And I think slowly but surely you'll see symptoms of that um, if he's on the right track. Awesome. Well, we'll leave it right there. Ari Wasserman is a senior writer for The Athletic, covers college football recruiting. Find him on The Athletic or on Twitter at Ari Wasserman. Ari, thanks for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0. And we'll try to catch up with you down the road because obviously your insight into Arizona and really all things college football and college football recruiting is so valuable to our listeners, and we appreciate your time. Anytime, guys. I'm here, I'm here whenever you need me. All right, thanks. It's Ari Wasserman. When we come back, let's talk more Arizona football. Welcome back. Wildcat Radio 2.0. 
Once again, thanks to Ari Wasserman from The Athletic for joining us. Great insight, Brett, because he's a guy who has he's a national college football writer, but he has an affinity for Arizona because he went to Arizona, so he obviously pays attention to them. And to hear him say it where in the past Arizona wasn't really trying, their coaching staff wasn't doing what it needed to do to even you know come close to competing, that's not the case anymore. Jed Fish and his staff, to hear it from Ari the way he tells it, Jed Fish and his staff is trying everything we think we see they are doing just like Ari says, it's probably going to take a little bit of time before the winds really start to come. Yeah, one of one of my favorite lines he actually uh, said, and I may get the, the wording wrong, Adam, you can correct me, but when he was saying that uh, a year one Jed Fish, you'd rather have him be 1-11 one in, one in with a top 25 recruiting class than 6-6 six and six mm-hmm. in a 55 or 60 recruiting class, and I think that really, really jumps out. Well, I feel, um, I, to that end, one thing I thought, too, that like, you could, have, if you would have gone six and six, you probably would still would have had that top twenty-five recruiting class. Well, <laughs> you sure, might have even done better. But I get what he, I get what he's saying. Recruiting matters more in the early years than salvaging yeah. a handful of wins. And I think that's it's more of the the it goes hand in hand with the the be patient. Yes, right? as an Arizona fan, like we're all having the excitement and the optimism, but like none of us really knows what this this year's team is going to look like. We can be confident it's going to improve. That schedule is fairly rough. This Not year. great, yeah. But also, you know, it's also rough. The Pac-12, <laughs> you know, fact. So, and there's there's even even the best teams in the Pac-12. They're they've been going through a lot of change. You, USC's got a new coach and a lot of players changing. They're mm-hmm. probably, you know, going to be a juggernaut sooner rather than later. I think they'll be pretty good this year. Yeah, but you know, does pretty good mean they are you know in the college football playoff or they go nine and three? Right, which means you they're going to lose a couple times. Yeah. Exactly, and like we just we just don't know, um, and like and that's that's probably the most sure thing in the whole conference. I would uh, maybe Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 gonna be it's I think it's gonna be a fun thing for for Arizona fans because you know like we talked about this past basketball season, where it's like it's fun when you go into a season with no expectations and they get exceeded. I think we need to remind ourselves of like. Yeah, three or four wins would be a great, great season, right? And I like, do think most people feel that way, though. Like we were talking earlier, I think most Arizona fans are understanding that this program bottomed out under Kevin Sumlin. It might have been even worse than we realized, you yeah. know, because like there was a COVID year, so things were kind of weird. They had some opt-outs, and even with all those guys, then you're like, whoa, that is not a good roster, and it sets them back a couple of years at least. And for all the great things Jed Fish has done, you know, they they weren't, you know. They had some misses in the transfer portal. It's an Ari Wasserman's piece, like in the last season, right? Some of the guys they put yep. for the portal weren't that effective. Didn't help them too much. But the first full recruiting class looks phenomenal, and not all of them will work out, but enough of them probably will to where it's a foundation for this program to get better. But they're still freshmen, <laughs> and there's still more than a handful of players on the field at a given time. Everyone has to do their job right. Now, is Jaden Delore a good enough quarterback to make up for some of the mistakes? Probably. And he has experience, which is something Arizona didn't have with its quarterbacks last season early on. You know, is T-Mac such a dynamic talent at receivers? A.J. Jones, such a big, good receiver. Keon Bernard, are these guys talented enough to make up some of those differences? Absolutely. But you can't expect that every single play, game in and game out, because this team is still a season away from having won a game, two seasons away from having won zero games, and that 20-something game losing streak. So, like, you don't turn around that fast. We just have to remember that. But I get the idea where it's about, and it's hard to preach that, right? Like, we're fans, we're analysts here, we're talking about them to say, it doesn't matter if they win as long as they keep recruiting. And the flip side is, well, if they don't start winning, are they going to be able to keep recruiting like that? They won't. 
So that's that's something. That's why four wins this season, like that proof of concept, you need to have. I yeah. wouldn't expect a bowl game. I wouldn't demand a bowl game. I wouldn't demand six wins, seven wins this season. But you need to win three or four and be competitive in pretty much every game. Show that you can score points. Show that your offense can move the football and put the ball in the end zone to get those people to say, yeah, okay, it is a talent issue. It's not a coaching issue. It's not a program issue. It's a talent issue. And that's what this season's about. Because there is momentum, you have to do something on the field to keep it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm thinking when you're talking through that where you can't necessarily expect it, each play, you know, each game with with freshmen to contribute. But the opt, you know, if, if I want to put the opt, and I, I agree with that. But if you want to put an optimistic take on that, some of those freshmen can be put by a good coaching staff in a situation to solve some of the biggest problems last year, like red zone problems specifically with AJ Jones, Keon Burnett, uh, and and T Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, look at think back to last year when Jordan McLeod finally got the system down and started playing before he got hurt. Arizona was really competitive at Oregon. Yeah, and if not for the interceptions, had a chance to beat Oregon. And yeah, he threw five interceptions and still they were still had a chance to win that game, right? <laughs> um, and, and like, I th- I don't know if Jaden Delora will be, you know, a top third quarterback in the Pac-12, but I think we can safely say compared to la- like last year, quarterback was a core problem on the roster and lost them games. Most of the games were on, largely on the quarterback. I don't think Jaden Delore is going to be a guy that loses you a lot of games. In fact, I think he can help you win a few games. Now, will he make some boneheaded plays? Probably. Will he throw some bad picks or whatever? It's bound to happen, especially behind a, a questionable offensive line. But he, it, like, the, the ball is always going through the quarterback's hands, so they can dictate the outcome of the offense more than most, most uh, than any player on the field, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that going from a complete problem of a position to at worst, I think he will be competent, and I think more likely he'll be an above-average quarterback. I, I, I don't think it's for any of us to say how much that translates onto the field, and that may mean we're maybe underselling. And that's, you know, that's the optimistic take, but then again, it's a new quarterback and a new system, and you have 45 new players on the team. Yeah, well, show me, right? Like We've seen Jay Delore yeah. play against Arizona, which a lot of quarterbacks look good against Arizona over the last few years. So that's not exactly like, oh, wow, if he did this again, you know. He's a good quarterback. He's very talented. He has experience. And that's the one thing Arizona's first two quarterbacks going into last season didn't really have. And like you said, when McLeod kind of got the offense down, he was a different player. He was moving the ball. The offense looked altogether different. But then that's where you wonder, too, with quarterback maybe solved. And I like the depth there, too. You know, I don't know if McLeod or Fafita are the backup or the number two. It doesn't matter. Like, I, There's probably McLeod at least to start, and I'm totally fine with that because he showed last year he could probably start and keep you in games if not actually win a couple of them. And then Fafita, obviously, even at spring camp, he, you can't learn everything from there. He's still a true freshman, but he looks like he has it. Whatever it is that the good quarterbacks have, he looks like he has that. And then, of course, like Will Plummer's still on the roster. He's having shoulder surgery. But and Gunnar Cruz is still there, who just you know seems like a good guy to have in the locker room. Players seem to like him. You know, good influence, good scout team guy. So there's just a better situation at that position. There's a better situation at wide receiver. There's a better situation at running back. There's a better situation at tight end. The biggest question is still the offensive line. And you wonder, okay, well, do all those other things can they help the offensive line look better? Does a more experienced quarterback who maybe get the ball out quicker make the line look better? Does Better receivers can get open so the quarterback can get the ball out quicker, make the offensive line look better. Like, that's also a way of optimism, right? Like, that's a way to look at the line, which, okay, there's experience there, there's some talent there. 
and everything else around them might help them look better. Whereas maybe last season, poor quarterback play and receivers who couldn't get separation made that line look worse. I mean, I'm not saying the line yeah. was good, but there is reason to believe. And I think Ari, I mean, there's more talent on this roster than there was. Absolutely, there's more talent on this roster. Oh, yeah. And it's the type of talent. Some of these guys seem to be the type of players who can make big impacts. Not just, oh, yeah, they're a decent player. They have some guys who look like they could be stars. Now, will they be stars week one? Will they be stars against San Diego State? I I don't know. But if a couple of them are, if T-Mac can make plays like that and stretch the field and make catches in the red zone, if Burnett can do that, A.J. Jones, Mejon Wright being back on the field, if these guys can be red zone targets where Arizona had no trouble getting to the 20, inside the 20, they just couldn't punch it in, they have a couple more touchdowns a game, they win a few more games, and there you get your four wins, you know? So if they do that, you're going to feel great about this season, and I think the recruiting momentum continues. Yeah, and I mean, the first month of the season, the, the non-conference schedule on the, on the surface looks tough, right? At San Diego State, Mississippi State, and uh, North Dakota State. It's almost but, perfect, though, because if you compete and or win a couple of those games, that's huge. Well, and what I was going to say, uh, last year, even leading up to the game against San Diego State, I remember, <laughs> I think I texted you, I said, these guys look big. And then San Diego State mopped the floor with us, and it turned out, you know, the uh, Vegas didn't didn't know what San Diego State was by the end, of, and then they were a ranked team by the end of the year, right? Mm-hmm. But they lost a lot of guys. Uh, one of them got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals in the third round, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they had NFL talent on that roster that maybe we didn't think they had. Uh, you know, it's it's something where we just don't know going into it, and then you know if you win a couple of those, that helps with recruiting. But we'll see. Well, and you mentioned NFL talent. Arizona, this is part of the discussion. Arizona, once again, had no players drafted. And we talked to Stanley Berryhill last week, and we both said, like, we, didn't, we weren't sure he was going to get drafted. We knew he'd find his way into a team, and he did. He signed with the Atlanta Falcons, and a lot of Arizona's guys signed. Lucas Havrick earned a training camp invite. And then he pandy is in minicamp with the Cardinals. Von Mason ended up with the Jets. Like, they don't want to say signed to undrafted, undrafted freighters, but they're going to get their opportunity, which is all you could ask for for them. But that just kind of shows, like, yeah, this was, you know, we like these players. They were good. These were Arizona, some of Arizona's best players, and they weren't good enough to get picked in one of the seven rounds. And I don't know how many players were picked. Arizona did not have a guy who could make the top 250-something, whatever it was, 260-something people. Like, that says something. Like, you mentioned San Diego State had a player that was drafted by the Cardinals in the third round. I know that wasn't San Diego State's only draft pick. But you have to send guys to the NFL. And, like, if Stanley Berryhill makes the team and does well, that's helpful. If Anthony Pandy makes the Cardinals, that's helpful. Like, even if they weren't drafted, they can make an impact. They're still Arizona Wildcats. But if you're Jed Fish, you need to send guys to the NFL. You need guys getting drafted. And that's where players like T-Mac, obviously he's still a few years away. But if you have him, you keep him, you develop him, and he's a day one, day two draft pick, there you go. That's a feather in your cap. You know, same for all these other guys where that's how this, it's the snowball that is recruiting. You know, even in Arby's article, he mentioned one of the coaches like Arizona's kind of been selling smoke and mirrors right now on the recruiting trail. Like, yeah, that's all they've had is a vision to say, we're going to do this. Well, you need to start doing it. And the draft is part of that. And I'd like to think, or I hope that Fish's connections to the NFL maybe helped some of his guys get these camp invites and get picked up, you know, because he knows a lot of people in the NFL. And he's like, hey, give this guy a shot. You right. Know, just give him a chance. And that, that's big. That's helpful. But once he starts getting guys drafted, then, then you know that the program is where it needs to be. Well, and I think Fish was on the, the Twitter machine saying, uh, you know, no Arizona players drafted and quote retweeted and said never again. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and bluntly, 
I, I kind of believe him with like the talent they're bringing in. You know, Jaden Delora is draft eligible next year, even though he's going to be a COVID redshirt sophomore. Something like I, 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 I'm not even trying to keep track um, of that anymore. You know, but it, it's it's the rule of how many years removed from high school, so he could be draft eligible. If he has a monster year, Arizona could have a quarterback drafted. For, you know, which, which is kind of insane. If he just um, has a decent year, they could still yeah. have a quarterback drafted. And, and 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 it's 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 you know speaking of Stanley Barry Hill like. Just to, you know, I think he's a guy that's I I would put money that at worst he's going to make the practice squad because mm-hmm. I think you know he ran a, a better forty than I think people thought. He's a bit undersized for the NFL as a receiver, but I think he has a real real chance to make it on a roster as a as a special teamer. And there's guys that can have a long career out of that and make a lot of money and even make Pro Bowls as the special teamer. But yes. Could you imagine in terms of, you know, pair Stanley Berryhill making it in the in the NFL even as a even as a you know undrafted player, and Jed Fish can invite him back for the the you know the team meetings and play the video of Stanley Berryhill after the Cal game saying how much he believed in Jed Fish and the vision, and he can come and say you know how much of a recruiting pitch would that be, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Of him saying yeah he helped me get here uh, even as an undersized local kid from Tucson uh, on a on a bad team and he helped me get to the NFL and have that video played. It's going to give him Fish credibility and. And honestly, I think Stanley Berryhill is going to have a career in the NFL. I just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Berryhill is that type of player. And that's where the beauty of the NFL is, even if you're not drafted, you can get an opportunity. And it's tougher when you're just going to camp invite. You know, you're not under contract. They don't have to keep you around. And even when you're an undrafted free agent, they have less of a, an attachment to you. But, if, you know, obviously, Stanley Berryhill was signed as an undrafted free agent. So they wanted him there. He was probably one of their priority free agents with Atlanta. Decent contract, and you get your opportunity. You'll make it to training camp no matter what. The camp invites, they're trying to get signed to the training camp roster, and they're kind of they're on the edge. If the team sees someone else they want, you know, you're easily droppable. But you get in, you get an opportunity to just show what you can do. You know, you want to get to training camp, and if you get to training camp, then you just keep going until they say either you made the team or, you know, we appreciate your time here, good luck. And they hand you, know, you have to hand you your playbook. Like, that's how it goes. And for Arizona, like certainly this recruiting class they have now has guys who it's hard to believe won't get drafted. Like they have guys who will get drafted to NFL teams in this recruiting class. Do they have other guys maybe from last year's class or even that are going to be coming out in the next couple seasons? Maybe. Like Majon Wright's the type of guy who has the NFL size. I think if he plays well, Jamari Joyner has NFL ability. If he can stay healthy and play well, he'll probably get a look from someone. Those are the type of players that can. Obviously, Jacob Cowing. Jacob Cowing's one of those guys, too, and that's offensively. Arizona Hunter Eccles, if he has a really good season for Arizona, coming off the edge now, former top recruit. You know, some of these guys that they brought in, Christian Roland Wallace, That's a he's going to get drafted. Like, oh. there's no way he doesn't get drafted. J- so, Jalen Harris. Yeah. So there's there's possibilities, and that's why I like Fisher saying never again because, like he knows, like you have to get guys drafted, and I, yes, it's all talk right now until he does it. Jed Fisher's been all talk until he actually does it on the field and shows that he can lead a team to wins. But that's what you need. You need that confidence. You need that determination because the players buy into it. And even talking to Ari to bring it back there, he would know if it was crap. <laughs> he's been around a lot of programs and he's a believer in Jed Fish and what he's doing. And like he wasn't saying that Arizona's going to be great, but he's a believer that Jed Fish is going to work his ass off and do as well as anyone can in this job. Well, then you know what? I, I believe it more too. Yeah, he's he's been to some of the programs at the the, the very tip top and covered him and it's you know peeked behind the curtain and knows what it takes. So he's had, I, I I really value his perspective and it makes me feel 
both cautious and like cautiously optimistic, but also more optimistic if that if that's fair. Well, yeah. Well, for the future of the program, yes. For this current season, it's probably best to tap the brakes a little bit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like just like okay, okay, like yes, things are moving in the right direction, but you don't go from zero to sixty that fast. Like they might be so, at twenty right now, maybe you, thirty miles an hour. They're are still you saying I should have not booked my uh, hotel in Pasadena in January. <laughs> oh, I mean that's a nice place to be. Like some good breweries out that way. Like you'll have a great time. The weather will be nice. So please, I know that. I mean, if you're hoping to watch Arizona on a game there, yeah, that's probably not the best idea. But you should still go. I mean, I have been. Yeah. Not for an Arizona game, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we'll we'll see. I got we get this off season now. There's still more transfer portal news happening. I guess ASU picked up a quarterback, so good for them. They basically replaced the quarterback they had with a lesser version of that same quarterback. <laughs> best best news they've had in months. Like it's it's nice. Like Arizona seems to be in a pretty good. The program seems to be in a pretty good place right now. You know they're not suffering from mass defections. They've lost some guys to the portal, but not players who they're going to rely on. Um, it seems like when they needed a, someone from the portal, they were able to pull guys out and to fill hopefully to fill some holes to fill some needs. So like stability is a hell of a thing, and it seems like Arizona football, at least for right now, has that. And it's a credit to Jed Fish and what he's accomplished and what he's what his vision is and how they're going about it. So. Hard to be upset right now. I agree, Adam. So maybe we should end the show on that positive note there. <laughs> Everyone, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. You know, we like to be interactive on there, especially when there's games. There's not so much going on anymore, but, you know, these days. But there's still going to be plenty of content coming from that account. As always, you can follow us or find us on uh, iTunes, on Spotify. If you find us on iTunes, subscribe to us. And then also rate us. And review us. We will read that review on the show when we see it. We don't always see them. We don't check ahead of time. We probably should plan that just to make sure. I, I, I usually do a quick glance. It's been a while. It makes me sad. I was I was toying with maybe I will fill out an anonymous one and uh, rate you, Adam. I'd have to read it, huh? I know. Them's the rules. <laughs> I'll keep it anonymous. We'll call it Brett B. No, no, no. That's too obvious. Let's make it B. B. Barry. <laughs> This person hates me. Why? What did I say? <laughs> well, you know, if the Suns win an NBA champion, it's probably DeAndre Ayton, and that's a U of A guy, so we could talk about that too. So there you, you know, he's you been pay that, pay that man. He's been playing really, really well for the Suns, and yeah, they probably can you imagine if they lose him because they decided not to pay him when they probably should have paid him already. Uh, the Suns would never lose a budding star because they were too cheap to pay him one year, and then he decided he took it personally and wouldn't come back the next. That's never happened before for the Suns. Good old Robert Sarver. <laughs> yeah, something like another another U of A guy. So, I know. You know? <laughs> not that one we claim as as often. Not 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 so not so much. But well, Brett, I think that does it for our show again. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk about Arizona stuff next week. Whatever happens, we don't know. There's you know it's the off season, but it's also spring sports. Baseball's doing fine again. Softball's getting going. So you know we'll talk about whatever they all do. Next week, and until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.